pictures have been taken. The carolers are done singing. The holiday parties have come and gone. The presents are unwrapped. And the big dinners have all been eaten. The Christmas music is turned off. The family's headed back home. Someone from work is on the phone. The kids have a practice to get to. The house needs to be cleaned. The bills still need to be paid. The groceries are running low. The stock market is still down and up and down. The TV is still on. The news is still worrisome. Life just keeps going as if Christmas never happened. But it did happen. Look around. The church is full of family and friends and laughter. Because the baby is still the Savior. And the Savior is still the gift held out to a world still looking for joy, an earth still waiting for peace, and the peaceful still sing in wonder of the God who gave his Son, and the Son who gave his life to add us to his family, and one day welcome us home. Imagine Christmas is over. But remember that it really happened. And it changed everything. Man, I'm so glad that you guys are here this morning and Jesus has changed everything. Has he not? I mean, we are so blessed as the people of God to come together this particular morning to, to celebrate our risen Savior together, to celebrate Jesus Christ and all the blessing that he has given us in our life. And we look forward to what the Spirit will continue to do in our life as we lean into 2018, which is just around the corner. That is so hard to believe. But we are glad that you're here today to celebrate uh, Jesus Christ. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, and so I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. We'll be there in just a few minutes. We're also going to look at a story from Mark chapter 5, uh, so you may want to turn over there to take a look as I tell that story as well. But our foundation text will be Colossians chapter 3. We also want to welcome our guests that are here today. Thanks for joining us and being a part of Cross Point. Of course, our hope would be is if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love for you and your family to think about uh, joining us here at Cross Point to tell the story of hope that is Jesus Christ. We are a group of people who bring all kinds of gift sets to the table, and collectively, we tell the story of Jesus. That's how Jesus uh, designed the church and how he wants us to operate one with another. And so we'd say, jump in with us and help tell that story of Jesus Christ. 
because it is a wonderful opportunity to live out the story that God's given you in your life and be blessed in so many different ways. We're going to launch a brand new series today. Imagine that. Here we are, uh, the last day of 2017. But over the next five weeks, we're going to unpack the theme for 2018, and that is right over here on our wall, all things new. What does it mean for me as a follower of Jesus Christ to experience all things new in my life? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to really unpack that and learn what, uh, what God has in store for you and for, for me. As we dig into the story of Jesus, as we reflect that in our own life, how are we called to live? And so today we're going to really take a look at the idea that Jesus changes everything. He changes everything. But as the weeks uh, progress, we're going to look at how found people find people. We're going to take a look and uncover uh, how saved people serve people. We're going to realize that we can't outgive God and that as a community, we're called to journey together. We don't do life alone. And so I hope you'll join us over the next few weeks as we kind of unpack the idea of how to live out the life that God has called us uh, to live. We know that uh, Jesus does change everything, but there are some things in the world that uh, maybe the world would say, you know what, this changed everything everything as well. We take a look at the printing press uh, when it was brought out and developed. It should be on the screen. There it is. Look at there. Uh, It was a great opportunity for the world to see the printed page and specifically have the Bible in their own hand, in their own language. Uh, What a great thing that totally changed the face of the known world and help the common people also get in touch and get their hands on the Word of God or Edison's light bulb and the fact that we can walk into any room day or night, flip a switch, and boom, we have electricity. doesn't matter uh, when it is. Uh, last week, I know we were packed to the gills in here, and I know Steve mentioned that you could stretch out and take a nap. I guess that's okay. As Shepard said, you could do that, so go for it. But we came into this room, we had the electricity, which funneled the, uh, the air conditioning and the lights and everything we had going. What a great invention that truly changed the face of the world as we know it. Uh, we did a lot of travel in this holiday season, no doubt, and the airplane is one of those things that gets us from point A to point B. And it is an incredible uh, piece of technology that gets us there quickly. Now, about a year and a half or so ago, Robin and I went to Kenya on a mission trip with the rest of the group, and it took us about 20 hours to get there, and we struggle even with being 20 hours in a plane. But think about before aircraft. I mean, it would have taken months to get to that location and do some mission work. And so we're so blessed to have that type of technology that truly changed the way the world traveled. Or you got here this morning in a car of some kind, hopefully not this one, but maybe you did, I don't know. Uh, We can get from point A to point B again because of the automobile. What a great invention that changed the world. Uh, Recently, in the last few days, we drove up to northwest Arkansas, the Halls did, to see Robin's parents and her family, and it's a solid six-hour drive. But you think back to the Conestoga wagon, and that would have taken weeks to make that journey. It's an invention that changed everything on the earth. Not only that, but in recent years, you know, we're glad that we've got uh, refrigerators during the holiday season uh, because that's helped us with cooking aspects, keeping things cold. And I know many of you, if you're like me, made many trips from the couch to the refrigerator over the last couple of weeks, if you're honest. Uh, We also have the internet and personal computers. Now, that clearly could say that that has changed the the course of the world. How we communicate 
Things that might have taken months to discover or find out a piece of news, now we know in three seconds because of the internet uh, from clear uh, on the other side of the world. It is an incredible feat of technology that has changed the world or the telephone. You and I, most of us have one of those in our pocket. It's a way to communicate with someone, but it's also a small computer. We have access to the internet. What an amazing piece of technology that changed the world as we know it. And many people would say that this particular event changed the face of the earth as well. The way we travel, maybe, maybe the way that we even look at someone who has a different religious background or a different skin color. While all those inventions and life events truly changed the way the world looks and functions, this morning I want us to embrace the idea that the only true change is the one Jesus brings. Jesus truly changes everything. Does he not? Has he not affected your life in ways that are, that are hard to even fathom and wrap your mind around when you think about what Jesus Christ has done for me and for you? As we think about the story of Jesus, we reflect on our own lives and realize that in story, there's always dark and light. There's always uh, one of those evil characters and a good character. Now, you've already seen the slide. Disney kind of reveals that real, real easily. You've got Scar and you've got Simba, or maybe you've got, uh, you've got Aladdin and you've got Jafar. You've got Snow White and the Witch. You've got the Dallas Cowboys and the Redskins. I mean, their enemies abound, right? They're all over the place. Uh, in preparation for this series, I read a book called Reset by Nick Hall, and I would, I would encourage you to read that if you have not yet done that, but he addresses the idea of how Jesus changes everything, the way that we look at the internet, the way we view uh, technology and entertainment, the way that we interact in our relationships. It's a great read if you haven't read uh, the book Reset yet. But again, this idea that every story has dark and light. And many times in our own life, we have unfortunately embraced the dark when in fact Jesus wants to bless us with light. He wants to come into our lives and refresh us in so many different ways. There's a great story in Mark chapter 5 that I want to talk about this morning just briefly. It's a great story, but in order to tell that story, we have to set it up with chapter 4 in Mark. Jesus is doing a lot of teaching, and he's talking about what the kingdom of God is like. And he uses several stories and parables there to make his point. But then at the end of the day, he and the disciples get in a boat to take that very famous journey across the the Sea of Galilee to the other side. It's at night, and while they're on the sea, Jesus goes to sleep, and there's a massive storm that erupts. There's lightning and thunder and waves so big that they're actually lapping into the boat. And the disciples get really worried. They get scared for their own life. They wake Jesus up and they actually ask the question, don't you even care if we're going to drown or not? Of course, Jesus stands up. He quiets the storm. He calms the waves. The clouds roll away and it's clear sky. They eventually reach the other side of the lake, a place called the Gerasenes. And in the front end of chapter 5, our story begins. Now, they've already endured a massive storm, one that almost capsized the boat and killed them. It's pitch dark outside. They've landed on the other side. They get out of the boat and immediately are in a cemetery. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a scaredy cat. Okay? I don't like stories that, that kind of take you different places that you don't really want to be. And I'm thinking if I was with Jesus at the time, probably would have got back in the boat and said, hey, Wake me up when you get back. I'll be happy to roll back across because I'm not getting out here. 
But it doesn't end there. Because in the depth of the night, they hear a man screaming in the tombs. And this man is possessed by not one demon, but many. They call themselves legion. He runs up to Jesus, and as he's in the middle of the storyline, as he stands in front of Jesus, text says that he falls on his knees and bows before Jesus and asks a question. What do you want with us, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Now, if you remember last week, we talked about bowing and worship, and that's all you can do when you're in the presence of God. It just commands that position. And here's a a man who's demon-possessed, who already understands and knows who Jesus is, and he falls at his feet and addresses him with the title that's due him. We also find out in our story that the man does not wear any clothes. The townspeople have tried to shackle him, so he has chains around his wrist, around his ankles, but he's so powerful that he's able to break those apart. They cannot contain him. He picks up sharp stones and he cuts himself so there's blood everywhere. You see this story just gets better as far as a horror story goes. He asks Jesus, please don't don't throw us out of this man and make us leave the area. And Jesus says, well, there's a herd of pigs over here. Let me put you in those. And they agree to that. And so some 2,000 pigs then have these demons who rush down into the lake. They all drown. Now there are 2,000 floating bodies in the lake. You see, it just keeps getting better. But the townspeople come out to see what's going on. And what they find is something different than they've ever seen before. Because the man who was demon-possessed now is fully clothed, sitting in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. Now what we realize in this story for you and I is that in just one moment of surrender, in just one moment of acknowledging who Jesus is in your life, Jesus will change everything. He will turn your life around, and it will be something you've never experienced before. It will all be positive, and it will be moving in the right direction because it's what God has called you to live out in your life. Jesus truly changes everything. And so in our life, we call out to God, through your son, Jesus Christ, God, make all things new in my life. I want to be different. I want to be your son, your daughter, and I want to live that out to the fullest extent. But for many of us, if you're like me, then you kind of have this model that resembles something that was pushed centuries ago. Aristotle and Ptolemy pushed this uh, model called the geocentric model of the galaxy. It basically said that the earth was in the middle of everything and everything else rotated around the earth. And about 1500, um, a guy named Copernicus pushed the idea that it's really heliocentric, meaning that, no, actually the galaxy revolves around the sun. The earth is not the center of everything. Now, in our own lives, what we realize is that we many times adopt the geocentric model. I put myself in the middle of life, and everything else revolves around me. That I adopt this kind of selfish attitude which doesn't look anything like Jesus. I mean, what happens in our lives when we do that, when when we make ourselves the center of everything? What happens when we have the life idea that God actually revolves around me? Because what happens is, as I live my life out, 
how I desire to, except for when the finances are down, I call out to God. I rub that genie lamp, if you will, thinking that God is some cosmic genie to come at my beck and call because he revolves around me. When the relationship doesn't work out, I call out to God. I want him to fix it. When my health suddenly is not where I think it should be, I call out to God and hope he comes running. And the list goes on and on and on. If you're like me, that's the type of life you may have had in the past. But what if you and I, here this very last day of 2017, said goodbye to that idea? And what if in 2018, you and I made a decision to lean into the idea that God is actually the center of my life? What would happen in your life if you adopted that model? What incredible thing would happen if in your wheel of life, God was not a spoke in the wheel, but the hub? Things would look differently. Your current life situation could be any number of things. And what I want you to hear me say this morning is that God is with you no matter where you find yourself. Maybe you see yourself right now on the mountaintop and you have celebration and there's excitement and everything seems to be rolling your way. He's in that moment with you and he's forming you to be the person you're called to be in the story. And maybe you find yourself in the valley. And maybe you're there because of no particular reason. Maybe you're there because of poor choices that you've made along life's way. But even in that moment... Although God did not orchestrate it, he's with you in that moment. And he's using that moment to form you into the person he's called you to be. Wherever you find yourself, at the top or at the bottom, somewhere in the middle, God is a part of your story because he wants you to be the best you you possibly can be. He's got an incredible plan for you, but we've got to understand that real change in us only happens when we place Jesus Christ at the center of our life. When we give up my own life, when I decide to lose my life, is when I actually find my life. You see, I'm a part of God's story. It's not the other way around. And I want to live out all that God has for me. So this morning, in our short time together, I want to give you two things as we launch into this new year. Number one is this idea that Jesus has changed me. Jesus has changed you. Paul writes to the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter 3. He's writing to believers, just like we are this morning, and so this morning, Paul writes to us. And he wants some, uh, to, to help us with some reminders about what we're called to live out, how we're called to live, and who we're called to look like in our life. So he says in verse 1, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Did you hear that? I mean, Paul wants us to realize that our real life The one that we're supposed to have is with Christ. It's not the one that we've chosen. It's not when we're in the middle of the the plan. It's when we've surrendered to Jesus. We've fallen at his feet and we've said, you are the king of kings and lord of lords, and I want to follow your way. I mean, think about our our guy in Mark chapter 5. 
Think about him before Jesus. He's a man that's been ostracized, kicked to the curb. Nobody wants anything to do with him. As a matter of fact, he lives among the tombs in the cemetery. Doesn't have a stitch of clothing on. He cuts himself, self-harm. He's bleeding everywhere. Matted hair, matted beard, food in the beard. Who knows what he's eating? Screams all night long. It is a chaotic and conflicted life. But then he meets Jesus one time. And the text says the man was in his right mind, clothed and seated civilly. This is a man who who acknowledged who Jesus was, who said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be a part. If you read the end of the story, he's getting in the boat with Jesus at the very end of the story. He's going back with the disciples. He's become a believer because he has seen what Jesus can do for change. And he wants to be a part of that. And if you're a believer this morning, what I want you to hear this text saying is that God has moved heaven and earth to change you in Jesus Christ. But if you're anything like me, there are moments when you you have those self-centered moments. Those moments when it's all about me and nobody else. You, You end up using people in relationships to get what you want. You use your physical blessings to take care of that 10-minute high. We turn our backs on God for our own selfish desire. But what Scripture tells us is absolutely beautiful. Because as God looks at you who are now a believer, even when we fall down, He sees you through His Son, Jesus, and sees your sin no more. I mean, praise God for that story. To to know that Jesus Christ has changed me in such a way that I am fully in the good graces of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. In our our story in Mark chapter 5, Jesus stands toe-to-toe with a man who is possessed without flinching. This guy is crazy, and there are moments in our life that are chaotic and crazy as well. And Jesus stands with you as well. In those moments when you're, when you're angry and you're yelling at your kids and your spouse and using language that would embarrass your grandmother, he stands with you. When you give in to temptation for the 33rd time and you're tired, he stands with you. When you're in a relationship intimately that was meant really for the marriage bed, and you mess up, he stands with you. When you use people to get what you want in life, he stands with you. You see, when you fall and fail, Jesus doesn't flinch. He stands with you by your side, encouraging you to get up and live out the story that God has called you to live in your life, to be blessed beyond measure. He truly wants to change who you are and what you stand for. And in that moment, we live grateful lives, grateful for what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. We end up making our life centered on Jesus rather than us, grateful for what he's done for us. You see, Jesus changes us. But know this, Jesus is also changing me. See, it's a process that we go through. Jesus is changing me. 
He has changed us, but we're still in process. We'll never reach perfection until we leave this life. And so it's a, it's a process of growing and understanding. When Robert and I married some 26 plus years ago, uh, I did things a certain way, my way, the right way, right? This is how it works out. But what is really good is that over time, she's trained me and showed me a better process. And I'm a better husband, hopefully, because of that, and a better person because of that. And see, Jesus does that for us as well. I'm a different follower than I was 25 years ago, than I was 10 years ago, than I was last month. You and I are in process, and we learn as we go what it truly means to be in Jesus' story and to have him in the middle of our story. Have you ever compared you to you? Have you really changed? I mean, when you think back in your own life and you look at where you're at right now, look back at last year. Are you more in love with Jesus now than you've ever been before? Is your life changed because you've adopted his teaching and who he's called us to be? Because when Jesus is truly in control of your life, you will be different. Look at what Paul says beginning in verse 5 as he talks to the church. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Church, if you've got your own Bible, I want you to circle, underline verse 11. That is life-changing. I mean, at the end of the day, Jesus is all that matters. He and his life are all that matters. And as we move into this new year, based upon what Jesus has done for you and is doing in you, it's time for you and I to make some different decisions. To, to hold on to one or two or three things and say, you know, this year is going to be different for me because I'm moving Jesus into that position that he should be. It's time for you and I to go in a different direction. Uh, John and Sharon Scroggins have been good friends of ours for some time. They were at the uh, Ponca City church that I worked at uh, some 25 years ago, and we became good friends. Uh, one particular year, I think it was 98 maybe, we uh, made a decision, he and I, to drive and go skiing in Colorado. His son lived in Colorado, and we were going to stay with them. Uh, and I remember we got in the car, we had everything packed, and we began talking about life and family and church and our relationship with God and how we wanted things to be and how we made a decision to be in each other's life for all time. And and it was great and thick, and it was great conversation. Uh, We were headed up 35, and as we continued to talk, I began to notice that the road seemed to get smaller and smaller until finally there was uh, a sign that said something like, Welcome to Nebraska. 
We had failed to turn on I-70 to go toward Denver. We were so involved, we kept moving straight north. Well, sometimes in our life, it's like that too. We, we get so involved in what we're doing that we forget to take God's direction and let him be our GPS and say, God, I want you to be in the middle of my life. Help me be exactly where you want me to be. So if I'm calling us this coming year from this point forward to look more like Jesus, and I'm saying that we need to look more like Jesus, what are some of the goals that I need to have in my life for 2018? And Paul kind of lists some of those out, beginning in verse 12 of our text. Paul says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, stop and think about that sentence for a minute. Isn't that a beautiful sentence? God chose you. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Paul says this next year is going to be phenomenal for you. He says, listen, if you, if you make Jesus Christ the center of your life, things are going to move in the direction that you've been looking for and hoping for your whole life. And it's time for you and I to take that geocentric model out of our life, out of the middle of our life, and put the Son of God in the middle of our life. It's time for us to rally behind the blessing and the storyline that God wants for you in your life. For when you truly surrender to Jesus Christ, he will touch your life like nothing ever has before. And like our our fella in Mark chapter 5, you'll want to get back in the boat with Jesus. Not stay where you've been, but you'll want to be a part of his story, his life, and what he's doing in the world. Church, it's time for some change. And it's time to lean into the story of God and allow him to change me in ways that I never thought possible. God, what we want as a church, we want you to make all things new through your son, Jesus Christ, in our life. We want to be a part of the story that you're unfolding in the world. God, I know that your son changes everything, and I want to be a part of what you are doing in the world. I want to be a part of a heart change within myself. I want to be the person you've called me to be. I want to look more like your son. And so in 2018, church, are you with me? Do you want to lean into the story of God? Do you want to fully embrace all the newness that God wants to give you in your life? Because he's ready to change your life forever. I'm going to invite the praise team back to the stage uh, at this time. As we sing this song, the shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. And it's an opportunity to get out of your chair and go get a good uh, moment of prayer with our shepherds. Let them pray for you and pray over you. Let them lay hands on you so that the Holy Spirit would work abundantly in your life. Maybe right where you stand as we sing this song, you yourself are going to inwardly look within yourself and say, I need to make some change. And you've got a game plan for how that's going to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe today, the very last day of 2017, is the day that you say, no, I'm going out with a bang. Today's the day I get baptized. I want to publicly put Jesus Christ on as my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to do that in front of the church. Maybe today's the day that you make that change.
My hope is, and I know, the Holy Spirit wants to bless your life in numerous ways. He wants to be a part of what you're doing in the world. And so he's asking you to join him in his story as well. It's time that he made all things new for you. Let's stand and sing together.